You're tuned in to the KNGI Network, and it's time for Vipers VGM Chair.
Good evening, one and all, and welcome to a brand new edition of the one and only Vipers VGM chair, live here on the KNGI network on your Wednesday evening slash night, whatever it may be, in your neck of the woods. Welcome to the show. As always, I'm going to be spending the first week of the month for you, recapping the month just gone by, and I've been doing so already with two songs from games that I finished last month, but... Of course, I want to join you for your journey as well. So let me know what it was you played last month. You didn't have to finish it. It could have been an ongoing game, a multiplayer game, something that you put a good amount of time into during the month but didn't quite finish. Uh, Do let me know all those things. As for myself, I'll let you know what it was I cleared from my own backlog, what I finally got under my belt, and as well any multiplayer stuff that I got up to in the meantime as well. So we kick things off there with a track from Super Bomberman R that was known as Mori Mori Star, a game I just so happened to finish last of all. That was the final game I finished in July. Went through that multiplayer finally at long last because I got that game back on Games of Gold back in, I want to say 2018 or 2019. I've had it in my Xbox library for a long time now, but I only recently had the motivation to play it and I'm really glad I did. It was a lot of fun. Um, Each console has its own crossover content, and I got to play around with the Xbox Halo crossover content, which is also relevant to other stuff that happened in my gaming catalogue this month as well, but that game provided a lot of fun, and most of all, uh, the thing that really I took away from it more than anything else is it's a really good soundtrack, and it being Bomberman should be no surprise uh, that that's the case really, but I always... I'm always surprised, even though Bomberman's renowned for its music, every time I go into one I always go, Wow, this is a good soundtrack, as if I shouldn't be expecting that as a given, but Bomb Manor has some great music. We've got uh, the ending theme coming up at the end of the show as well, but we kick things off there with Mori Mori Star, which is the theme of the second planet in the game, the second of six, spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of good music in there, though. It was really tough to only pick it down to two. Most games only got one this month, but two there for Super Bomb Manor. And then afterwards, from Tetris the Absolute Grandmaster 2, uh, specifically... Did that one have a... Did that one have a subtitle? I forget. Uh, Regardless, Tetris the Absolute Grandmaster 2. Sorry. No, 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 no. No, 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 you're missing a the. Tetris the Absolute, the Grandmaster 2. There, I was uh, making my name make too much sense there for a moment there. Uh, That was the theme of levels 0 to 499. The game goes all the way up to, uh, at least in its Grandmaster mode, goes all the way up to 999. It's about four songs, so divvy that up as you wish, um, and that's the one that plays for probably the vast majority of your arcade mode run, because of course, yeah, that's halfway to 999, but Tetris, and especially Grandmaster, speeds up the more you go, so realistically, that's what you're going to hear for most of your playthrough, if indeed you get anywhere near the end. And to be honest, 499 is about the limit of what I had to get to, uh, because the main reason this has appeared here is it's an arcade game, it feels a bit cheeky, unless it's got a bit of a decent running length to it to count it as finished. And while there is just a normal mode for the first time in Grandmaster 2, there's not just the Grandmaster mode, therefore you can quite easily count it as finished, I guess. Um, despite that though, um, the reason I count this as finished is because recently this game came to Arcade Archives just like the first one did a few months back, Grandmaster 2 came as well to both the PS4 and Switch, and with that came a trophy list on PS4, so also like the first game I went through and got every trophy, and as such, 
plonked it on the list. So there you go. Tetris the Absolute Grand... Tetris the Absolute The Grandmaster 2. Can't wait for Tetris the Absolute The Grandmaster 3 Terror Instinct. Is that the name of the second... Is that the name of the third one? Is that the name of the second one? It's time to look this up, people. You already know what's about to go down. Uh, Grandmaster 2. Let's have a look. You know, this one is just Tetris the Absolute The Grandmaster 2. But if we are to look at 3, I'm pretty sure... 3 it retains the same stuff. Tetris the... No! Okay, it's not the absolute this time, sorry to say. Uh, Tetris the Grandmaster 3 Terror Instinct. Waiting for a port on that one as well, and I know you think they're very similar, but they do have their differences in modes and how they play, etc. And it's been stated before that their success on Arcade Archives will be the catalyst to lead uh, the Tetris company to allow uh, Eureka to make a new one, something that they've not done for 20 years, because Tetris guidelines are really strict nowadays, so they tend to get dragged through the mud uh, when it comes to Eureka making a new Tetris game. Of course, they made Tetris 99, so that's some good stuff, but they've clearly been wanting to make this for the best part of two decades now, so I really hope this one sells well. We get three, make sure that three sells well, and then uh, we get the port of the Xbox One. No, uh, really, please, a new one. It'd be great. In this day and age, I think, I think we've earned it. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, anyway, that was the first two games there, and in fact, plenty more games as well where that came from, because I've got a lot of other things to talk about from my own list of beaten games in July 2023. There was a lot that happened in my month, quite a varied month and quite a packed month as well. And you'll see that I've also got music coming up from those various games as well, including music from Spyro 2, Gateway to Glimmer, Skylanders Imaginators, uh, The Punisher, and even a bit of Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary. Of course, though, still plenty of time and room for your requests. So if you're listening to this live and you're down on kngi.org forward slash discord, first of all, give us a wave down in the chat room. Second of all, I'm at the Green Viper 8. Come give me a private message and let me know what it is you played, as well as what music you'd like to hear, because... I got the space, you got the request, you know how this works by now. Please feel free to send me over music of your choosing, as long as it relates to what gaming you got up to in the month of July 2023. Hope everyone had a great weekend and a great first half of their week so far as well. Uh, this will be the first time you're hearing me in... I was going to say a little while, but I did stream on Saturday, to be fair, with, of course, Silver Sonic after his special edition of Silver Saturday show on Radio Sega. But there was no sign of me on Friday, and it was... Oh, what a... Initially started off as a really nice day, and in fact it was a really nice day. I went over to a local town exclusively for the purposes of playing a single arcade machine and maybe making a day around it. Uh, so I got up to that hijinks. You can see that on my Mastodon. I don't think I ever posted it on... Uh, the Blazing Glory site, um, but that is uh, the Green Vaporate at the VIP Vipers dot space. Uh, I found a Sonic and Sega All Stars Racing cabinet. I knew it was already there. It was uh, it was a trek to go and get it anyway, but found some other cool stuff in the process and had a nice wander around the town. So that was a lovely day. Uh, and then, um, well, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> The physical issues struck, um, mainly, I'm, I'm not going to go too much into it, but it just started to feel a little bit unwell. So I was already having a little bit of turmoil with that. Uh, and then, of course, got to get the train back from the town to our town. Uh, because of the physical turmoil, I just wasn't paying attention. We were told there was going to be a signal failure and there would be like a 30 minute wait. There wasn't one. I stayed on too long. So I spent about the next two hours and a bit dealing with that 
uh, as I went through all the stress of trying to not get a fine, trying to get back home, of course, trying to sort that journey out as well. Uh, <laughs> being surrounded in the middle of nowhere. That was a lot of stress that all came from uh, all that. Of course, still having all of the issues that led to me staying on this train in the first place. And by the time we got back, I was shattered. And this was the Thursday night. Um, by the time it came around to Friday, I was already feeling quite lousy as well due to the same coldy issue I was complaining about on the Wednesday. Kind of was a little bit bad on Thursday as well. And by Friday, I just, yeah, felt like a full-blown cold. I was both wiped out physically, mentally, and also just the cold feeling. So, it was, ugh, yeah, it came to the point where you know your own limits. I, had, I knew there was a late and live happening over on Radio Sega, so I knew there was some good content. I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe this is just. Or I admit, I, uh, I, I admit, I take a chill pill and uh, have the day off because, yeah, everything happened all at once. It just wiped me. I don't think I did anything all weekend in the end, uh, if I recall correctly. Yeah, uh, I don't think I did anything. <laughs> just to spend the weekend recovering, feeling plenty good now, feeling heaps better. Uh, I'm the one who's feeling good, uh, unfortunately there's a cold going around the household, but I am completely fine, uh, but we'll see how long that one lasts, but a real one this time, not the, the whole fake shenanigans, so, yeah, it's been the week from hell, uh, scattered in with some good bits as well, um, but for the most part, been all good, but there you go, that's your reason why there was no show on Friday, but rest assured, it's a really packed August on both shows, so... All being well, aside from any sudden issues or medical reasons or anything of the sort, uh, we'll be having a packed August on both of these shows, so don't you worry about that one. And this is just the beginning of that, because we're here on the 2nd. Of course, looking back at July, we've got a fantastic episode of Pick and Mix coming up for you on Friday. And then I've got plenty in the works for yeah both of these shows as well. So we're going to go ahead and enjoy that. Uh, before we get into the next batch of music, I'm going to also say uh, we've got Resident SD, Jamie, Pocket, Alluri, and Purvis down in the chat room. If you want to pop your head in and come say hello to us, already mentioned where you can do so. But that will be none other than kngi.org forward slash discord or at vipersvgmchat on Twitter or vipersvgmchat at the vipers.space on Mastodon. So come and chat with us on all the usual places. Uh, come and say hi, come let me know what you played, and of course send in your musical requests. And while you do so, let's get on with some more music. And speaking of requests, we're going to kick things off with a track from Pocket Alluri from a game we'll definitely be hearing the rundown on a bit later. Of course, Kirby's Triple Deluxe. And afterwards, a track from an arcade game I played on a recent arcade expedition. Not the one I just referred to. Uh, no, far older than that, but well, a game from a company you might recognise, perhaps not one of the most iconic comic book franchises, but certainly the uh, company behind this game, very recognisable, and that musical style is so distinct that you're going to know it anywhere. So let's jump into it. This is none other than Kirby Triple Deluxe coming up, but you are currently listening to Vipers VGM Show. We're live here on the KNGI Network, and we're playing for you the music that soundtracked our July 2023 in gaming. Only live here on KNGI. Thank you. 
And we are back on tonight's episode. What you just heard there was... Well, that was a, it was a really short music break, I just realised. But what you heard there was from The Punisher. Uh, that was Revenger, the theme of Vengeance. Uh, the theme of Stage 5. And apparently also the theme of the Attract Mode. If you're not familiar with that one... Uh, actually, I'm not familiar with the Attract Mode. Because the arcade machine I was playing on had it completely disabled. So I didn't hear that it played there. Anyway, um, if that sounded slightly familiar, I was shocked to learn today while I was downloading that soundtrack since I hadn't paid much attention to it while I was playing the game. A bit too difficult to hear given the environment I was in, but um, once I heard the soundtrack, immediately the instruments and the composition uh, just knew straight away. It's Yoko Shimomura. That might be why you recognize the stylings of the Punisher soundtracks. There you go. Uh, like mentioned, that was an arcade game I played this month at the at the arcades, for reals, um, and I'll talk about that more shortly. But before that was a request from none other than Pocket Alary from Kirby Tripper Deluxe, A Forest Hike. Love Kirby Tripper Deluxe, but I'm sure I'll talk about that a bit more when we hear Alary's opinion on the game. But one we actually have on disc, that's really cool. Uh, I didn't have it on disc, but... I never had the uh, Club Nintendo points back in the day to really get anything uh, fun like that. We had we had the uh, Club Nintendo points, of course, from the main two consoles, but didn't really buy too many first-party games, uh, and this would have been during during the Wii era, so when you got some really cool stuff towards the end of Club Nintendo, that definitely wasn't wasn't on my shelf. But uh, Mario Kart 8's soundtrack and Kirby Trop Deluxe, I... Uh, I have through merging of the collection, so that's real neat. So just happened to pull that from the CD for the sake of the show. I mean, I already had it pulled from the CD, but you know what I mean. Uh, it, it benefited this exact situation. Anyways, yeah, so I've played quite a lot this month, as I mentioned. So I'm going to go ahead and go over to Backlogged, which is on the website that I use for chronologic... Chronologic... What am I trying to say? I don't know. I can make a chronological list of all the things that I beat during a month. I can give my thoughts on them, give a star rating, etc. I recommend it every time round, but on the off chance you've not heard of it, backlog with two G's and then a D dot com, and you can see all my opinions. Give me a give me an ad, etc. But I'll just be running through this since there's been so much I've played, I can't just list it off the top of my head. So let's begin with July 1st, which we already talked about this last month because I finished this at one minute past midnight on July 1st. I'm of course referring to Power Wash Simulator, the SpongeBob SquarePants special pack. Great pack, uh, really enjoyed the contents of it. It was a great throwback uh, if you're a fan of the show, uh, especially like me if you've not watched it for about 20 years. Uh, not 20 years, uh, more likely about maybe 12, 13. I'd say is the most realistic, but like me, if you've not really cared about the content of the show for about 20 years, uh, that's roughly when most people play sort of stop being good, which we've talked about before, or stop be when it's not very good anymore. I don't know what words are at this point in the show, uh, and we're only in the second bed. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a lot of uh, fans for fan. There's a lot of stuff for fans of that original content, but there's also some stuff in there for new fans of the show as well. So some of it flew over my head, but for the most part, there was a lot of silly little references that made me smile and uh, tied very nicely into the Power Wash sense of humor and the universe of that as well. So all in all, very great DLC pack, especially for £6. I think I nearly got about 10 hours worth out of it. So £6 for 10 hours in DLC terms is great value for money. Uh, if you're a fan of Power Wash and you want some more content, would recommend it on that front. But even if you're just a fan of SpongeBob, you got Game Pass, you you've already got Power Wash as a result of that. Just grab the DLC, 
use your free power wash or what's effectively free and give it a go because it's, it's a great deal of fun and it might get you into the base game as a result. On the 6th, I finally bit the bullet, quite literally, uh, and started a game that I've been intending to play. It's been on the big list of franchises to start in 2023. Uh, I actually got through more than one this month. I'm referring to Halo. Halo Combat Evolved, the Anniversary Edition. I successfully made it through on PC in pretty much one sitting, of course, with my partner by my side because... Well, she's far more familiar with them, can't lie about that one, um, so it made a nice gentle entry point into the series, and of course cop campaign is a big part of Halo, but having someone there who knows the lay of the land a bit more and can gradually ease you into it was definitely what I needed for not only a series, but I guess a sub-genre that I'm a little unfamiliar with, and it worked a treat because I loved this game really loved it a lot and uh, so much so that I pretty much started Halo 2 straight after. Uh, fortunately right now away from my PC and the matchmaking on Steam Deck uh, kind of sucks and I can't matchmake to an Xbox client from the PC Steam version and all this other stuff and can't transfer my save to Xbox so I've had to put two on pause until I get back home in a couple weeks. But that's how much I enjoyed it. I went straight into 2 and I'm really liking that as well. So I'm going to try and blitz my way through the series as a result of all of, as a result of enjoying this one so much. But yeah, to actually have a written review here from the time. So I, oh, oh, I forgot I wrote very little for this one. But I put it off so long and really wish I hadn't. Enjoy myself a ton with this game. We'll definitely be continuing on with the series. I, my brief experience with the series was really Halo Reach and its multiplayer aspect. Played that quite a, not quite a bit, but I never had it myself, but whenever I'd go over to a friend's house, it was kind of one of the uh, multiplayer games we play, just go in the split screen mode and go online and have a mess about. And I think the same with Halo 4 a little bit, but Reach is definitely the one I remember in that regard. And would watch quite a lot of uh, multiplayer on reach through other people as well through you know youtube and twitch and the like but that one was really my only exposure and you know multiplayer doesn't give you anywhere near the full story or any anything remotely even close it's just shoot at people with weird weapons why does it not control and look like call of duty you could kind of argue uh, if that's your only exposure to halo but if you play the campaign of course you're getting the whole world building you're getting the whole story why the way things are or why things are the way they are why they aren't like that um a lot of a lot of interesting plot points, questions answered, unanswered, um, world building and storytelling through the world building itself. I really liked it. It left a lot to the imagination but spelled a lot out as well to the point where it fascinated me, uh, every little detail of it. And the gameplay itself, of course, it's just FPS fun, um, but it's intriguing and engaging narrative-wise enough to where it was an immediate click. Uh, and especially as well having that co-op campaign just made it all the more interesting and unique and enjoyable so adored it really really liked it and looking forward to finally getting around to finishing halo 2 i'm really not close to the end i'm not really not that far from the end of it sorry which is all the more annoying because i managed to make it through one level on the steam deck and co-op mode before the multiplayer component decided it wants to conk out because it's not supported on Steam Deck. Um, so yeah, rip. But when I get back home, that's pretty much getting finished ASAP. But first one, great, great game to me. Uh, I, I know there was uh, some 
there was a consensus on the other side of that co-op campaign that uh, a lot of quality of life features from later games were missed but because i don't have that experience myself you don't know what you're missing therefore you appreciate what's there and i really appreciate what's there and maybe one day i'll go oh this was super useful why is this not in here and i'll i'll, I'll get it but when i went through it you know you obviously aren't missing things you don't even know exist so i had a really good time with it anyway i already mentioned on the 7th i got all the trophies on tetris the absolute the grand master 2 plus i just noticed that it is called the great master 2 plus uh, here on backlogged right i don't know how that happened but uh i'm going to go on to igdb and fix that because that's where uh backlog pulls all its data from that's interesting who knows um yeah a massive step up over the first game it introduces a lot of mechanics uh the main one that really benefits me is uh the ability to not only soft drop but finally to hard drop something i really rely on in tetris games um yeah, a couple more quality of life features, but still in the process not taking away the key uh, the key at the core of Tetris the Grandmaster, which is the great challenge and the great skill ceiling as well. So you can still have these ease and improvement based changes while still bringing the challenge, bringing that satisfaction, and that's exactly what it does. Uh, really enjoy Grandmaster 2. Uh, I haven't really messed all too much with 3. I messed with it on an arcade board in the corner of a basement once. Uh, the basement of a betting shop, I think it was. Uh, that arcade's no longer there, unfortunately. I had a bunch of other games, but one of them was potentially a legit board, potentially not, I don't know. But regardless, it did have uh, TGM3, which I sat there and messed with for quite a while. But once once that one comes home i think that'll be the definitive one but two is still a phenomenal experience a really good game of course it's an arcade game so a pretty short gameplay loop but for the purpose of honing your skills and the content it has on offer phenomenal great game on the 13th another co-op uh campaign expedition and one i actually gave for the same stars as halo combat evolved that is heresy to so many people i know uh, finally saw it through all of the console games done uh, i'm referring to the skylanders series skylanders imaginators the sixth and final game in the series and one that gets quite a lot of flack quite a bit but we were looking forward to getting it done getting through all of them and uh, the sixth and final one is now under our belts and it was actually my favorite despite all of the complaints i normally see about it online i just thought it was the culmination of six years of iteration on gameplay it felt the most tight and solid uh i thought for once it was actually pretty well written in regards to not being grating and annoying on the writing front but actually pretty funny uh that the characters have this not narrative arc it's not as well written as that but it comes full circle as the characters from the original game and now your guides and helpers in this one which i thought was a nice touch instead of the usual uh the usual navigators we have in the other games coming back and being drilled to death with the same four jokes and hammy voice acting because it's the way it's always been done i i appreciate that instead uh we got a roll call for the original cast including spyro playing a big role uh in being a helper for the game which is nice because there's a serious uh, power creep issue in this game with the original figures from the very first game which is still compatible 
are so, so underleveled in comparison to what you're meant to use, which is the new ones, and this is really the only game that gets this bad about this. Because of that, you can't really use that first wave for Skylanders unless you really, really want to struggle your way through the game, so I appreciate that instead, uh, of course they could have fixed that issue, they didn't, but besides that, uh, I appreciate that they still had those characters play a pretty big role in the game. So that was a nice, uh, almost quote, coming of age moment. Uh, not quite, but that's the closest phrase I can equate it to, but... A bunch of nice touches like that just made it feel like the nice way to end it off, but also, yeah, the combination of a lot of years worth of iteration. I wrote a really long one for this one at the time because I felt the need to defend my opinion when everyone calls this one the worst one, which, in my opinion, comes from a nostalgic perspective rather than a critical stance. But here we go, right? I really enjoyed this one at the time of playing, both as a multiplier experience, as... A game itself uh, there's of course uh, one of the things you might know about this game is the Crash Bandicoot content this was really before the insane trilogy this released a couple months earlier so this was the first wave of the Crash revival so you had that level in there which is just fan service galore it's amazing you had uh, Crash and Neocortex playable as well so quite often that was all this game got known for in its circle but you've got all of that under its hood and you've got a lot of other stuff under the under the belt of this game which I think just makes it yeah, I, I know Four and a Half Stars is very overbloated, but I'm not saying that as much from the quality, the greatest game of all time perspective, as much as I'm saying it from the enjoyment perspective, I just had a ball with it and didn't really want it to end. So I wrote, M1 always rags on this one, and I really don't know why, at least. I, I get it in the grand scheme, but I don't get it in comparison to all the other games in the series. It's probably just nostalgia for older entries. Having played all these games through now, I can say pretty safely that this one's my favourite. I feel like a lot of the points I've heard against the game were over-exaggerated. I didn't have a problem with what was, what's been dubbed as the bad story, as it wasn't super in your face, and it had, the writing for it had writing for the first time in the series that actually landed with me and made me laugh. I like the use of the legacy characters as the main navigators for the game, rather than sticking with tradition, and that helps the dialogue feel more funny rather than grating, in my opinion. Uh, the end game is just filler, is another point I also heard. That feels so dumb to me. People told me that there's a specific cake part in the game. Uh, you have to build a cake to infiltrate the castle. I was told this takes hours. Uh, hours and hours. It's so boring, it's clearly padding, it's dull, ruins the game. It took us all of about 10 minutes to find the cake parts necessary to continue on with the game. While that was using a guide, a lot of the cake point, a lot of the parts of the cake were in, were very clearly pointed out to you on the map. You had the options of which ones you wanted to grab, and therefore you could avoid the tedious and boring ones, at least in your opinion. But using the guide, which even then I still only think without using it, it would have only added another 10 to 20 minutes. We finished this ultra long grindy section in 10 minutes. Is that not just exaggeration for the sake of further drilling in your dislike for a game? And I get it if it is, but I thought that was so far blown out of proportion. Yeah, while it is a pretty bland way of getting extra runtime from the game, but it's not as mind-numbing and lazy as I was told to expect. The levels feel solidly designed, the gameplay is the most fun yet, and it all comes together in a package that feels like the definitive experience in the series for me. But it's not also about its shortcomings. The map absolutely blows, and the aforementioned power creep for the new characters versus the returning ones is just too far out of control. While there's more I could complain about, 
it will just be small nitpicks for the sake of small nitpicks. All in all, it's a really fun game that would have benefited from a lot of the extra scrapped content. Sure, they cut off this game's life cycle about halfway through uh, the planned content for it. But in the state it's in, I really do think it's the best in the series. Gameplay is unmatched by the others, which is perfect for me, as I always felt that this was the strongest part of the games. And everything else that got toned down in this release wasn't really to my taste anyway. So what you get here is really the best of both worlds. Yeah, I, while it's not the world's greatest game, I had a really fun time with it as a co-op brawler. The best in the series by far, and therefore a really comfy, brain-dead, fun couch co-op game, which I will be returning to in the future, had a lot of enjoyment for it. Speaking of comfy games and ones where you can turn your brain off, Power Wash Simulator. I already talked about the SpongeBob DLC, but after about a month of just solid Power Wash gameplay, um, we're talking podcasts and radio shows galore in the background. I got Power Wash done, and it was nice to see it through uh, at long last. I did it while I still had my Game Pass subscription and access to a PC. Uh, it's been nice and comforting to have the game as the equivalent of white noise while I listen to and watch things I said at the time. Uh, sometimes a little too menial and tedious depending on the map, but for the most part, it's good, calming fun. There were some maps which just really tested my patience or just took way too long to do things, but when it hit that sweet spot, which was the vast majority of the time, white noise in gaming form is the perfect way to describe it, and it does that brilliantly. On the 16th was my little uh, arcade slash pinball trip, and we managed to get two games finished on that day. So first of all, we got Don Patchy, which I thought was just alright. It's a bullet hell, and it shows. Uh, I saw someone in their own review, since I didn't get around to writing one, I saw someone in their own review write that, yeah, in terms of as of how cave titles go, this one isn't as polished as the rest. It doesn't have the content to back it up like the rest do. Uh, it's a little underwhelming in that regard, and cave, of course, will go on to become a legendary company in later years, but certainly... Uh, Don Patchy, while still being a good game, don't get me wrong, is certainly one of their weaker titles and I'd absolutely see eye to eye with that. Yeah, I suck at it, I fully accept that, but it doesn't have the variety, the fluidity, the visual wowing factor and even like even even simple stuff or not simple, but even just those little minute details like some would consider a soundtrack or sound design or anything like that in comparison to the core game all those things just don't quite fill up snuff with later titles and sure they're getting into the groove of things but yeah not their greatest game to date but one that definitely would be improved upon iteratively slowly and fastly depending on which corners of chaos catalog you look into but am i glad to have finished it yeah did i have to save sketch save scum my way oh sorry coin scum my way through it i didn't save state that this was an arcade just spammed free play mode <laughs> did we have to do that in order to get away through this yeah but did i also have a fun time despite that and am i am i glad to have finished it in the setting that i did yeah i'd say so not their greatest game and as a bad player one that didn't offer an awful lot of variety aside from getting shot in what were fair but challenging patterns I still had fun. A game I really enjoyed at the time though was The Punisher. Um, I love a beat-em-up every now and then and this just felt like one of the most solid beat-em-ups I've played honestly to date. Uh, great 
great usage of weapons and move variety and uh, breakable objects and interactable objects um scenery and the way you interact with said scenery and just everything about this game just real real fun seriously one of my favorite uh beat-em-ups that i played today a lot of love for this one great presentation as well great soundtrack uh fantastic in two-player satisfying yes easy enough to where it doesn't feel like a coin muncher but still got that satisfying grip and grit to it that you still feel like you're overcoming a challenge in the process great stuff really really enjoyed it uh we also had memorican curse which i have talked at length about uh on a previous episode of this show and a previous episode of Pick and Mix as well, so I'm not going to give you too much aside from I really like Memorican uh, Curse and you should too. You should play it as well. Feel free to, but not the greatest shmup I've ever played, certainly, but one of my favourites. Uh, a lot of it down to that presentation and music, but still a great game to play as well. I finished Sonic Rivals 2 on the 17th, the same day as Memorican Curse. Re- reason being is because I managed to repair my PSP 2000, which was the first PSP I had, but had a broken joystick that entire time. So while a school friend, about two weeks after buying that PSP, gave me his 1000, which I just continued to use whenever I wanted a PSP, uh, the 2000 just sat there, which is a shame because I actually kind of like the form factor and design of the 2000 a bit more. So sat there i never got around to looking into whether the joystick replacement was possible so um, it just sat in a box of a broken unworking joystick uh, i think i disabled it in the custom firmware so you could at least use it for 2d stuff but what was the fun in that later on got a psp go and that became my main psp still love that thing but i did get a bit of a hankering for the original 2000 for uh, an upcoming PSP thing that I might be talking about on a show in August, depending on how things go, if not September. Um, So I wanted to get this one back up and running, um, and that I did. So I got a working joystick, and you know what I thought? Now that I got it up and running, got it cleaned, uh, got it all in working shape, what should I do with it? Uh, I played a game that, you guessed it, I used the D-pad for the entire thing. Uh, Sonic Rivals 1 was a game I really enjoyed, uh, to be honest with you. Not the greatest thing. It's like a solid three and a half stars, but that's... I say really enjoyed because for most people it's like one star, two star of a game. I think it's a little bit unfairly treated. Um, but when it came to Rivals 2, this is one I've never really liked. And I'm going to keep it brief because I... One, this isn't a Sega show. And two, I intend to do a show about not only this, but another game I'm about to speak about as well. But... Yeah, uh, no, Rivals 2 does not get the same sympathetic treatment from me. While the presentation uh, visually uh, might be better, I think almost everything else about this game is a step down uh, as a result of throwing everything at the wall and nothing sticking. The only stuff that sticks is the stuff that already stuck from the first game, which, when you look at the percentages in comparison to all the new stuff they threw in, is actually probably about 10%, if even that. It's pretty dire, uh, which is such a shame because it had the opportunity to really improve. And I think the general consensus from people is it does improve, but I really cannot see eye-to-eye with that opinion. There's so, so many cardinal sins in here that they not even get wrong, but just 
got better in the first game and then somehow stepped backwards on them design-wise. It's really strange and I think a lot of people's good good opinions of the improvement aspects of this come down to they added characters and they added my favourite character and the menus look prettier which doesn't say a lot about the gameplay um, and it kind of shows. Sonic Free Riders, the No Connect patch, I finished on the 19th, and uh, I'm going to spoil it. I think it's a pretty fun game without the Connect. actually quite enjoyed my experience with this one, uh, surprisingly. Uh, do you know how few friends I'm about to make from saying uh, I felt the exact opposite way about Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage? Uh, yeah, I am about to lose a lot of people. Uh, friends, colleagues, uh, acquaintances, they're all leaving. Because do you remember how enthusiastic I was about how much I loved Spyro 1? Yeah, I was told repeatedly for like 10 plus years that this one's the better one. You're going to love this one even more. It's so great. Spyro 2 is the best one. It's only downhill from Spyro 2, but it's so much better than the first one. Uh, hmm... Hmm. Uh, two and a half stars out of five I gave it. Uh, that is far from the popular opinion. Let's go ahead and try to justify this uh, with a review I wrote at the time, uh, which was after many hours of being fed up with this game. Uh, right, here we go. Strap yourselves in, folks. If, you're, if you are choosing to stay with the show... I do not understand how this is the best one. It feels like it threw out almost everything that worked about Spyro 1 from my perspective and replaced it with a bloated and overly complicated stand-in. Progression is bogged down far too much, just down to the general navigation. Getting to and from levels is much slower than in the first game. The levels themselves are fine, but they begin to fall into the trap of being frustrating just for the sake of it at the end of the game, and bosses take way too many hits for the amount of BS that they throw at you. First one's fine, the second two definitely are not. Collectibles are unnecessary and are at times badly explained. I had no idea that I was meant to even be collecting the orbs and only found out when the game hints at you when you get to the final world that you actually should have 40 and you were meant to be collecting them all along. Absolutely no point in the game was this explained to me. All that was explained was that I needed to find the talisman. And while the talisman get you through the first two worlds, the orbs are actually what's needed to get you through the third world. Since I viewed the orbs as slow fetch quests, something which I'm not really a fan of in this entire genre, and was thankful that Spyro 1 didn't do all too much, I missed them out and only had 15 of the required 40. So you can imagine how much fun it was to be in that final world and to have to effectively retrace every single step in all of those levels to go back and play the game that I actually should have been playing, bearing in mind I was already probably about 10 hours in at this point. Every defense of this game that I've heard is that I never had an issue with the padding as I was 100%ing the game anyway. Every positive angle I hear comes from this perspective, from the perspective of the completionist. Which, while being fine, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a completionist, leads to the question in my head that if beating the game is so unsatisfying on its own, why is it not 100% or nothing? Why is it not just that in the first place? 
The requirement to finish the game is honestly so close to 100% and is... Uh, sorry, as it is, and at any time I went through with the complete completionist mindset into the stage, the stage itself became way more fun. Why is it not like that to begin with? But my point is that I shouldn't need to apply this mindset if there is another condition I can finish the game under. Really disappointed, honestly, and from what I hear, it only gets worse from here. I'd hoped for better, uh, but what I instead got was about the standard bloated mess of a collect-thon that the majority of new entries into this, into this genre try to emulate instead of the streamlined cream of the crop that they should be copying. Yeah, really not making any friends for that one, but after about 20 hours in that game, feeling very defeated and very alienated from the game which I loved so much before it, I had some pretty harsh uh, criticisms of it, which I know, I know, I know they're not popular, I will not make friends for them, but just after so many hours of it, I really just had enough. <laughs> and finally, on the 28th, I beat Super Bomb Man R. Reason being is because I got this game all the way back in 2019 as a Games with Gold game. Uh, like Resident SD mentioned, rest in peace. The final month of Games with Gold. Now live, by the way, if you got a Game Pass subscription. Might as well redeem them just for the sake of it. That was a good old 10 years. I uh, got some real solid memories with Games with Gold. Mostly on the 360. Um, I got some great stuff through there. I mean, I never would have played Battle Block Theatre. Uh, or, oh god, there was so much other stuff on there that I really enjoyed and I can't think of it, but... Even to the end of the 360 stuff on Games with Gold, there were still some great ones. I mean, Sonic Transformed was quite a late one, uh, I remember as well. And I, there's so many that I could list off here that I got through that service. But on the Xbox One side of things, very slim pickings for me personally. It's going away forever now, though. But uh, in terms of stuff that I picked up, I believe I got Rayman Origins years before I had an Xbox One. I got a friend to redeem it for me, and it's still on my account. Uh, I got Celeste through there, which actually wasn't how I played Celeste in the end, but I had it on there. Uh, I had a couple other small bits here and there. I think I had Forza Horizon 2, possibly, which is still uh, one I need to get around to before the server closure at the end of the month. Um, and finally, the last one I got through there was Bomberman. So, I didn't have a Switch on day one, so as such, by the time I got around to the Switch, Bomberman R exact wasn't exactly on my radar, because there were plenty of great exclusives to get to by that point. Not to say that Bomberman R wasn't, but, well, day one, it was a far more enticing purchase than a couple months in when Mario Kart existed and wanted my money. <laughs> Let's just say that. So... As a result of not being a Bomberman fan as such, and not being starved for Switch exclusives or even games to play on my Switch, like I perhaps would have been on day one and therefore a bit more willing to try it, uh, as a result of not having had that entry point into the series, it wasn't what caught my attention by the time I got a Switch. As such, um, I just picked it up on Games of Gold the one month it was on there. I think I just happened to have a Game Pass trial and I was already using it for something else anyway. So I picked it up, and what I got for my free money was a game I didn't touch until this year. One I always meant to, after a certain point, I knew I had to play a Bomberman game, I knew probably it had to be R, especially since I already owned it, um, 
and I knew it would happen, but not quite yet. This month, another thing that happened on top of uh, some of the other gaming fun that I've been up to was I went to the 10th anniversary of a local gaming meet I've been attending for a little while, and there was a couple of tournaments. There was a Mario Kart 7 tournament, uh, which I got absolutely thrashed at, so that was fun. Uh, there's some other ones as well, but one of them was a Super Bomberman R tournament, and watching it on the screen, I was like, yeah, this game does look really fun, doesn't it? But this isn't the environment I'd like to first try it in. I know I'd get my uh, butt absolutely handed to me, but not even that, even just the chaotic and loud environment that place can sometimes be, which, you know, I, I love it, but I didn't quite feel like the place to get introduced to it and have the best time with it. Rather, I'll take a, I'll take a quiet day at home and I'll finally give this a go. It's got a co-op story mode, perfect. We'll run through this together. So that was the fire under my backside that was required to actually get around to giving this a go. So the, literally the day after, we get back to this apartment uh, after traveling across the country and uh, we got the PS5, we got the Xbox, so they're like the two big gaming platforms. The PS5's hooked up to the basically one and only TV. We managed to repurpose our old ones, so we got a second one now, but you got the lounge, you got the two big consoles set up, but because of that, the Xbox is always on, always powered on, always in use. So, perfect opportunity to want to play Super Bomb Manor. And that's exactly what we did. Loved it. Really enjoyed it. Solid game. Looking forward to the second one and its story mode as well, but had a quite literal blast with this one. I mentioned at the top of the show, I loved the Halo crossover content as well. Being able to uh, drop some silly, goofy bombs with the Arbiter while also getting to use his energy sword was awesome. Uh, and I actually kind of want to check out the PS4 version at some point, just exclusively for the Ratchet and Clank character. Uh, the Portal stuff on PC as well, same deal, got to check that out. And all the other crossover characters that are in every version are great as well, but uh, I'm glad I checked it out on Xbox because the energy sword bashing that I got to do with the Arbiter was so goofy, it made that game. Not there was, you know, something wrong with it to begin with, because there wasn't, it was still fantastic, but... <laughs> Real highlight for sure. Great stuff. Loved Bomb Manor. Loved the soundtrack. Loved the gameplay. Loved the presentation. The story was fun. Bright, colourful. Loved that in a game. Uh, just fantastic. Cannot recommend it enough if somehow you've not already played it. Give it a go. Anyways, I've spoken for way too long at this point. It's nearly 11 o'clock and we're still only in the second talk break. So I'm going to go ahead and put some tunes on for you. And we'll be back to talk about your gaming uh, sessions in July 2023 in a moment's time, but not before we get into some music from Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary, followed by some Spyro 2 Gateway to Glimmer, and I'm calling it that this time because the reignited version is, no matter where you are in the world, called Ripto's Rage. This is from the original version, so therefore it becomes Spyro 2 Gateway to Glimmer, and it's actually a track from the PAL version, so even more fitting. And then afterwards, we got a track from Skylanders Imaginators. So enjoy the music, everyone, and I'll be back with you in a few short moments' time.
And we are back. That was a little bit of Skylanders Imaginators there, the Brawler class theme. Uh, unfortunately, that game's soundtrack goes in a little bit of a different direction to the rest of them, uh, because uh, Lorna Balf, I believe it is, the composer of the first five games who makes the, well, the bulk of the soundtrack, so of course the variety of styles uh, found across them, but probably most famous for the orchestral scores uh, that the majority of the game has uh, in each instance. Very famous for that, uh, very renowned composer, and that's the stylistic choice that a lot of them go with, and then, you know, the same composer would fill in the gaps for other stages with different styles, compositions, uh, guest composers, etc. Um, they went, in, they chose to go in a completely different direction with Imaginators, and instead uh, dropped the composer, brought in a different one to fill in the gaps, and the rest of it's actually from a stock library, I believe. Um, which is really sad, so I don't know if that's one of the tracks or not, but regardless, that's the Brawler class. It's still a great song, no matter where it came from, but yeah, a lot of it is uh, from stock libraries, and as a result, if you try and stream the game, you actually get copyright strikes from the owners of the music, uh, which is kind of why you don't see an awful lot of stuff on Imaginators if you're in the market for it, I guess, because it's kind of a lame decision uh, on Activision's part, but then again, uh, very much known for their lame decisions, aren't they? Um, normally, normally uh, a bit worse than that, but still. Uh, uh, before that was from Spyro 2 Gateway to Glamour, also known as Spyro 2 Ripto's Rage, but that was Ripto's Arena, the PAL version. Um, we went for a little bit of a mini rock block there, so as such I chose the PAL version, because the NTSC version, nothing wrong with it at all. Also a great song. Um, it's the same song, just with a lot of uh, opera samples over the top of it. I have no idea why they chose to change that for the PAL version. Surely we'd be more into operas than America, you would have thought, but yeah, there's like a lot of opera vocals over the top of the original, but because this was a bit more of a rock block, or at least a mini, both in length and uh, tone rock block, I instead decided to go with the PAL version there. Um, I'm so glad as well, I'm getting some confirmations in chat that I'm not alone on the Spyro 1 and 2 opinions, so uh, thank you very much to everyone on that one. Uh, we've got Quirky Mouse backing me up here, so it's <laughs> I'm so glad. It's relieving, it, it's a weight off for sure, um, but still, great song. It's a good soundtrack, but I also ironically prefer the soundtrack to the first one as well. I was told that the first one's just very generic, and then we get to go more in the fantasy direction for the sequels, and kind of how I actually felt about it was the first one stood out a lot more as a result, and the future ones from having heard this and later games as well just kind of sound like fantasy soundtrack number 10. It feels like Copeland's styling gets lost somewhere in there for the sake of it being a Spyro game rather than a Copeland soundtrack, if that makes sense. It's really weird. Um, and then before that, from Halo Combat Evolved Anniversary, Rock in a Hard Place. And well, uh, d depends. Did we still opera, opera says Pocket Larry? Probably. Uh, it's up for debate, or rather, um, it's not even up for grabs, is it? That would have been a good joke, but uh, it wasn't up for grabs. Uh, quite often we did just steal it. Um, so... We're getting onto this again, aren't we? How does this happen most episodes? It's incredible. <laughs> Anyways, uh, shoutouts, yeah, as I mentioned, to Quirky Mouse, who joined us down in the chat room. We've also had Kefki, who joined us since I last mentioned as well. And I believe we have Mashakosha too. So thank you to all of you for dropping in on tonight's episode. So I'm going to start with the Pocket Lurry paragraph of the week. 
so she says the big thing that I did this month was beating Kirby Triple Deluxe, but there are other things worth mentioning as well. A lot of my time has been taken up by Pokemon Soul Silver. The only reason that I actually beat Kirby is that my DS needs to charge some time. Uh, I have beat the base game, and I'm currently a good chunk of the way through the extensive post game. That post game do be extensive though. Uh, best of luck on it. On the GBA side, I played a bit of Crash Bandicoot XS, also known as the Huge Adventure to the Yanks. Uh, not much because I'm playing it on the same system, Soul Silver, so the same issues are going to apply, I assume. Uh, it's a PS1 Crash game in style of 2D, so headbanging against a wall is to be expected. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of problems with that one, and uh, you mentioned some control issues you were having with it on the last episode, which identically lined up to the ones I was having, so I think those games are just kind of like that. Uh, also played Sonic Origins on the Switch, and I modded Sonic Advance 2 onto the Steam Deck. Now, as for what she says about Kirby Triple Deluxe, let's load that page up and give you the in-depth review. Oh, not that in-depth. Actually pretty tame for lower standards. A charming little game that has been fun to run through. Like most Kirby games, it is fair while still offering a decent challenge. I enjoyed the gimmicks in this one. I felt they were fun and didn't upset the flow of the game. Even the gyro stuff was enjoyable, especially in the optional puzzle rooms where they really make you think about the mechanics of them. I do plan to come back at some point in the near future to do the bonus content. Kirby Triple Deluxe all the time is up there tasseling and... I don't even think that's the right word, but it, it's up there with Superstar Ultra and F now Forgotten Land as well for the three that constantly fight for my favourite Kirby game. All three are really good, and it was just two before, and now it's become three. Um, I always have a hard time picking which one of them is my favourite, but Triple Deluxe, what a game. Uh, so glad you enjoyed it. Um, real great stuff from uh, the Kirby guys, so shout-outs to them. Uh, Jamie said, nothing completed, but I bought a game called the Entropy Center, which is a first-person puzzle game that has time elements to it. It came out on other platforms last year, but recently got a Switch release, which I got it on, and it isn't a bad game. I've always had a thing for first-person puzzle games since I first played Portal via the Orange Box. I've also been playing Toy Story 2, Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. As far as movie tie-in games go, it's not a bad game. Some frustrating platforming in the game, but a fairly decent game for its targeted audience. Doing missions which repeat themselves in various ways throughout the game, but still a fun trip, probably a great game from Traveller's Tales from back in the day. Probably. What makes you so unsure? <laughs> I've still got about three or four levels to do, and it's complicated. I do need to go back to Yakuza 0 and Super Mario RPG, though. Great to hear. Yeah, I know Toy Story 2 gets a lot of love uh, as a game. I don't know how much of it does come down to nostalgia, but I do hear... Um, from fresh minds going into it that it is solid at its core as well but yeah it has typical uh late 90s playstation game problems of course it was on various other platforms as well but that seems to be like most fifth generation games where it's most renowned for even though there was better plots on the dreamcast uh, that's besides the point though um <laughs> yeah uh, i gotta say you're somewhat enjoying it but has about the problems i'd expect from a game of that age honestly so nothing too shocking there but still uh, i'm glad you've been enjoying those and yeah get back to super mario rpg not much time remaining that's gonna be such a stacked autumn both with what mario rpg and super mario wonder coming out probably within about a month of each other to be honest it's gonna be nuts isn't it um, I'm so looking forward to that autumn. What an incredible time for games that's going to be between like the 700 Nintendo has coming out and Sonic Superstars and stuff that's currently escaping my mind. 
Oh yeah, at least in my case, I know no one else will care, but Forza Motorsport as well, that's going to be a real blast uh, for me. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, a bunch of other stuff that really is escaping me, but it's looking so stacked. I know everyone said 2022 was going to be the year for like the big releases, but honestly, 2023 is shaping up to be way bigger for me so far. Uh, can't wait for it, but some good stuff coming out, all things considered. Um, so aside from that, what else do we have? Oh yeah, there were chats of, uh, doesn't Halo 1 only have one multiplayer map? Honestly wouldn't know. I didn't rate the game based on that content because I didn't play the multiplayer modes. Will I play multiplayer stuff in the future? Sure. Uh, but did I get around to it and therefore rate the game based on that? No, I, I rated it exclusively on the single player content, but uh, if it did have one map, which it doesn't sound like it, I think that might be a bit of an exaggeration from Furbus there. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's maybe a lack of variety, sure, but not one map. Um, aside from that, Jamie says, I wonder what the next DLC for Power Wash Simulator is. Isn't it the uh, Warhammer stuff, I seem to recall hearing, and then after that it's more in-universe stuff. Uh, the Muckingham Files, I think it's called, I want to say, uh, but before that I think it's the Warhammer stuff. But there's, there's still a lot of content in there to enjoy now, it's still a really stacked game as it is, let alone all the DLC we're waiting on, but that's going to keep it's gonna keep me going throughout the rest of the winter, to be honest with you, probably uh, with the amount of washing I can do. Perfect white noise. Uh, a big question from Purvis was, uh, you know, because of course I brought up Don Patchy, so naturally uh, we, we've entered the comedy zone here. Uh, did I actually finish it and fight Hibachi, or did I wuss out? Only freaks get to uh, fight Hibachi. Uh, I did ask if that was the boss you get for in the second loop, and it was, and therefore I can exclusively reveal that we did fight him. So I didn't wuss out. Uh, I'm an epic gamer who definitely had the skills and didn't just cheese credits on free play. I mentioned in the chat, I do count games as finished if the operator has set them to free play. Like, I've gone to the effort of paying money to get into this arcade. There is a mode officially in this cabinet which lets me put in infinite coins. That's a bit different to loading up a save state on an emulator or, you know, save scumming or doing it myself on there. If someone else has actively made that decision for me, I count it as a finish. I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I did, I did do all of it. I made sure to uh, do the second loop, so... Um, that was fully under my belt that way. Uh, but yeah, Quirky Mouse is joining me here and saying that OG Spyro is absolutely the best, and certainly in terms of soundtracks too. Dreamweaver's alternate for the win, <laughs> but for the love of God, Enter the Dragonfly never again. I have the box for Enter the Dragonfly. I think I told the story before. Uh, I saw a really good price for it on eBay. Uh, only in the like the depths of the description. I don't even think the description mentioned it actually, I think you just had to deduce from the pictures that there was no disc, which I clearly didn't. I thought there was a separate picture of the disc that they hadn't put in or something like that. No, it was just a box, <laughs> so I got a £9 box for Enter the Dragonfly. I still never got around to getting the disc. If I play that game though, I'm doing this, the super easy speedrun trick, which is your headbutt on the final boss, basically on the edge of the final boss door in the hub world. Uh, and you, the loading zone is so big that you can clip through the floor, touch the loading zone and get to the final boss in all of about a minute and 30, I think, of <laughs> loading into the game. Um, so I definitely intend to do it that way, no other way if I play that game. That's worth £9 to me, uh, is doing that for about 10 minutes worth of gameplay at a maximum. Uh, 
lord knows I'm not intending on playing that game through fully unless I go completely mad, but... Uh, Jamie says I've always loved the third game the most, which is interesting, because I know most people say the third game is the worst. And certainly that's what I was told going to Spyro 2, like, get ready, it's the peak of it's the peak of the series, it goes all downhill from here, three is really bad, it's the worst of the bunch. Da, da, da. So, you know, that doesn't fill you with confidence when, quote, the best one is apparently better than the next one you're about to play. Sorry, it's worse than the next one you're about to play, potentially. Uh, but I, I'm going to try and go into it at some point and still give it a fair shot, even despite that. But yeah, uh, it didn't fill me with much confidence going into it, but... Um, I know it's very split, mostly on the negative side, but hey, you get something out of a game, all the power to you, because I, I know I'm like, I mean, I just talked about Sonic Rivals, didn't I? I liked the first one. Certainly not the popular opinion, but I enjoyed it, so if you can get something out of that, out of that game, then hey, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, in regards to Entity Dragonfly, though, less than five hours of playability and very poorly, uh, but to get over to the point where, there we go, yeah. The point where you can skip straight to the final boss. Exactly. <laughs> um, Jamie also mentions, might have to play an FPS uh, again. I've been meaning to get around to completing Borderlands 2. Yeah, after the whole uh, Halo series, I think the next plan for co-op uh, shooters is probably Borderlands. I know there's a pre-existing enjoyment of Borderlands uh, on the other side of the relationship uh, as well. So perhaps that is one I need to jump into and finally understand it. Um, but I haven't done that yet. It's not on that 2023 uh, franchise list. Bomberman wasn't technically either, but it's a franchise I've been meaning to start for so long, and I feel like is important enough to where I should have played it before now. So that kind of got amended onto the list after I played it. But certainly now, uh, we've made quite a big dent on it this year with me beating uh, Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, Spyro 1. Uh, I beat Crash 1, which I've finished Crash 4 before so I wasn't kind of that wasn't on the list but certainly uh, playing through the OGs was one of the things I wanted to do as a quote bucket list thing for this year so that wasn't on the list but kind of worth mentioning but yeah those two semi crash and now with both Halo and uh, Bomberman underway I've actually made quite a big dent on that list so that's been it's been a nice way to do it, but Borderlands isn't on there, but perhaps that's the uh, 2024 list, depending on how we get on. I think on the current ones still, like Castlevania, Zelda, uh, some other stuff as well, I can't quite remember, but certainly a lot to, a lot of new stuff to play as well, so who knows how much more I get the time for. And all these franchises I've started, of course, if I finish them, I've really enjoyed them, so I want to continue on with them, on top of chipping more more franchises off that list so it's just a whole mess that i've created for myself but <laughs> i'll get there it's the whole point of the show is stuff like this so we, we'll get there um uh Mouse says have i ever played the ogctr uh the answer actually is no i actually haven't uh, i own the ogctr but i've never played the ogctr played nitro field a number of times played um played nitro cart to its completion and couldn't lower my brain cell count any further to finish tag team racing but the original is one i didn't get around to i really do intend to because i know apparently it controls so differently to the new one that it's worth doing um controls and handles that is so it, it's definitely on the list but not quite got to it yet but one day <laughs> i was more focused on getting through other games in the uh crash series before playing both a remake and the original so um it's on the back burner more than on the backlog so to say but we'll get there we, we will get there people 
Um, aside from that, let's see what else we've got. Uh, what else we've got in the chat room? Okay, there we go. Uh, James says the original Borderlands is a great game and also a great card game. Okay, good. So that's like multiple good opinions I've heard about Borderlands now. So perhaps that is the one we've got to jump into at some point. So I'll consider it um, since, since we're getting the recommendations on it. Sure, I'll give it a go. Okay then, let's get into some more music though, because uh, it is 16 minutes past 11. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with the time today, but certainly, uh, perhaps I can feel every minute because I've had to turn the fan off for this show and it is boiling in here, so uh, you can feel every minute, but I'm still having a great time, so I'll waffle on regardless. <laughs> let's get into a track from Toy Story 2, Buzz Lightyear to the rescue, requested by Jamie, with or without the 64326. And then we got a track from Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, the 2023 remaster, as requested by Busy Lizzie. So, enjoy the music, and I'll be back with you to end off the show in a few short moments' time.
Looking for more? Download past episodes of Vipers VGM Chur from KNGI.org and all good podcasting services. For one last time, we are back on this week's episode of Vipers VGM Chair. You just heard a track there from Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, the 2023 remaster, because it's just called Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. So I can't exactly just tag it as Ghost Trick Phantom Detective, because that's what the DS one's called, and they have different soundtracks. Why do they do this? Um, that was no, known none other as Lynn, a targeted redhead, as requested by Busy Lizzie there. Before that... From Toy Story 2, Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. As requested by Jamie, that was Andy's house. Well, it is time to say goodbye on tonight's episode, but not before I give a huge thank you to everyone who's been listening in. Down in the chat room, we have had Resident SD Jamie with or without the 64326. We've had Quirky Mouse. We have had Mashakosha. We have had Pocket Alluri. We've had It's Purvis. And I believe that's been everyone. But if you've been lurking, listen to our podcast. Oh, sorry, Kefki as well. But if you've been lurking, listen on the podcast. Having 
the show pumped through your ears through some sort of speakers through someone else some weird back alley process that i don't want to know about if you've somehow heard this through any of the other methods not listed just know you're still thanked as well um you're still appreciated no matter what even if that is a little bit strange don't don't think about uh doing anything like that around me but uh if that's how you listen to the show then absolutely continue i guess numbers are numbers you know uh when it comes to podcast listening figures I, i'm joking um i don't even know where it's going anymore as i mentioned it's really warm in here um <laughs> Anyways, yeah, but seriously, thank you all for tuning in to tonight's episode. What we got coming up for you next week, then, is music from a brand new game and chatter about it as well, because unfortunately, it's really flown under the radar, which disappoints me so much, because from what I played of it so far, it's brilliant. And um, if you're a fan of Metroidvanias, and if you've got a Switch, you're looking for some new content, you love a gorgeous hand-drawn game not quite hand-drawn but um (laughs) not quite hand-drawn but certainly um digitally illustrated in a gorgeous fashion uh if you love the sound of that and you're a fan of disney then hey uh, even if you're not disney illusion island for the switch is incredible even i'm not the biggest disney fan and i'm having the world's best time with it Um, It doesn't have much to do with the Illusion series aside from the name, but uh, it lives up to them in greatness because, my, 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 one of my favourite games this year so far, and I want to talk about it, and I want to play the music as well. So join me next week as we chat about that. Coming up on Pick and Mix this week, I mentioned it's a very stacked August, and, well, we're beginning with part one of it as uh, we push aside the show that I promised last week until September. Sorry about that. Um... But episode one here in August, we're building up to, of course, a game you might uh, be thinking of based on what I'm saying here. Um, yeah, it's Bum, uh, Bum Rush. Yes, totally. Uh, it's Bum Rush Cyberpunk, of course, we're building up to it. So let's play you the music from uh, Just a Radio Future. Since I finished that for the first time a couple months back, I've got some things to say on it. So as a result, I've got to play for you the soundtrack while I discuss all things to do with the game. And uh, yeah, it's a bit of a gaming myth when it comes to its legendary status, but um, having actually gone through it with fresh eyes myself for the first time, seeing it through, because I started it and then never proceeded to finish it more times than I can count, but finally having the game uh, in my arsenal, what do I have to say about it? Is it overhyped? Is it overloved? Or uh, does it get all the attention it deserves? Find out on Friday's episode as we build up to the release of Bomb Rush Cyberpunk. That's episode one, and there's plenty of other good bits to come as well on both shows throughout the month, so keep it locked to both KNGI and Radio Sega, of course. Uh, Pick and Mix you can catch live Friday at 7pm UK time on RadioSega.net, and this show every Wednesday at 10pm UK time here on KNGI.org. And of course, remember, both shows as well as both KNGI and Radio Sega shows all available on all good podcasting services so feel free to give them a search and you'll find them straight away you can get listening back to those past episodes i've already told you what it is at the start of the show but in case your attention spans really low or you weren't here uh, both of which inexcusable uh, when it comes to listening to vipers vgm show sounding really self-absorbed tonight i swear it's a joke <laughs> but regardless um i did mention at the start of the show that this will be coming up so i'm going to be ending off tonight's show with just that from super bomb man art this is the ending theme and it's it's really cool it's a nice little uh j-pop track which i i think is interesting because the game goes for um 
Virtual game itself is pretty well localized in the sense of, um, you know, kind of, uh, of course, the English voice tracks there as well. It does have English voice acting, and therefore, kind of any English elements in backgrounds, I think, and stuff like that, and any text has been appropriately updated to English. So, therefore, it's kind of interesting that they actually kept the ending song intact. They didn't re-record it or instrumental it or just make it in mind with the fact that it would be played in multiple languages they did just keep it as it is i think that's quite interesting something you're getting more and more in the modern age but even like a couple years ago certainly localization still wasn't at that point where you can just kind of present this content as is unless it's like super outwardly a game that's from the region that it's released in you know super outwardly a japanese game or oh, ultra american or something when released in other regions it's just kind of cool that a game like this oh we don't need feel the need to translate this song we'll just leave it as is because it's already a nice song and sometimes that goes a long way just huh this managed to slip through the cracks and they didn't feel the need to change this for no reason that's interesting to me so one song coming up now from Superbomb Man are the ending theme song known as Hero. Thank you for listening, if you have been. I've been the Green Viper and this has been Vipers of VGM Chair. Catch you on Friday for Jet Set Radio Future, or see you next Wednesday for Disney Illusion Island. But for now, have a great rest of your week, and thank you as always for joining me on the current instalment of my VGM Chair.
been listening to Vipers VGMJ, part of the KNGI network. Visit KNGI.org for more great gaming content.